Welcome to the My Psychology Podcast. Thanks for joining us. My name is Andy Pomerantz, and I'm a psychology professor at Southern Illinois University Edwardsville. I also happen to be the author of the My Psychology textbook from Macmillan Learning. In each episode of this podcast, instructors from various colleges and universities join me to talk about the most important and most interesting parts of the chapter to help you understand and appreciate them. As we do, we will share some stories about our own experiences with concepts from the chapter from inside or outside of the classroom. So for this episode uh, on chapter 10, Diversity in Psychology, Multiculturalism, Gender and Sexuality, I am joined by Dr. Deborah Roberts. She is a professor and chair of the Department of Psychology at Howard University in Washington, D.C. Hi, Deborah. Hi, how are you? Great. Thanks for being with us. And also by Dr. David Tom. He is an associate professor of psychology at Columbus State Community College and a senior lecturer in the Department of Psychology at The Ohio State University in Columbus, Ohio. Hi, David. Hi, Andy. Thanks for being with us. Glad to be here with you. Thank you for the invitation. Yeah, you're welcome. So here's a quick summary of Chapter 10, Diversity in Psychology, Multiculturalism, Gender, and Sexuality. The chapter starts by describing just how diverse the world around you is, especially in the United States, and by explaining the importance of dynamic sizing, knowing the norm for a group, and simultaneously knowing that that norm might not apply to every member of that group. It then covers multiculturalism and explains how culture can be defined by many variables, not just race or ethnicity, the process of acculturation, specific ways cultures differ from each other, like individualism versus collectivism, cultural intelligence, and microaggressions. Finally, the chapter gets into gender and sexuality, explaining the difference between the two, influences on gender development, different types of sexual orientations, attitudes towards sexual minorities, and the influence of gender on daily life. So, so chapter 10, there's a whole lot to talk about in this chapter, a lot of interesting material. Where do you guys want to start? Thank you, Andy, for making a separate chapter for diversity. Um, this is the first textbook we've used that has a separate chapter uh, dedicated to um, to these topics. Well, I, you know, I think um, the fact that it, it is a chapter on diversity sort of demands an understanding of culture. <laughs> and I love that you lay out such a nice definition of culture. I think students need to be aware of the definition of culture because people use the term rather loosely. And um, I think they ought to be aware that, as you say in the textbook, a culture is a group of or a set of shared beliefs, values, and patterns of behavior within a group of people. So, of course, there are subcultures within that, but I think it's important for them to understand that it's about, it's not about race, it's not about ethnicity, it's not, right? It's about shared beliefs and shared values and shared patterns of behavior. And um, it's fluid. It's not, you know, it, it can move and change. And then connected to that, I absolutely appreciated that you um, introduce the term worldview, because in order to talk about culture, it's necessary to understand that we all have various ways of seeing the world. So worldview is a comprehensive, and this is in the text, comprehensive, culturally influenced way of approaching and understanding the world around you. And I think if students understand that, then they understand diversity, the importance of diversity, and, um, and have an appreciation for it. So I, you know, I absolutely love that. That's what I had as my number one concept <laughs> right. worldview as well. This is a great way to introduce them to the idea that their culture influences how they see things. And it gives them the opportunity and the tools to reconsider whether this is consistent with 
you know, some of their other uh, core beliefs. So uh, incredibly important, incredibly important to be able to get them to acknowledge that their worldview is a product of factors beyond just themselves and gives them the opportunity to explore and understand it a little bit more deeply. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, for myself, I, you know, I, I, because I teach at, um, at Southern Illinois University, Edwardsville, Edwardsville is a town that is just outside of St. Louis, Missouri. So our university draws plenty of students from, uh, from small towns in Illinois, small towns in Southern Illinois and, and throughout the state, and some from smaller towns in Missouri too. But it also draws some students from, from bigger cities like Chicago, St. Louis. So those students are all within a relatively small geographic distance of each other. But the differences in culture between some of the places you could find within that circle, some of the small towns versus some of the more urban areas, different parts of the urban areas compared to each other, um, different small towns compared to each other. Um, there's just so many cultural differences there that that have a lot of factors behind them, not just race, race or ethnicity, but also um, the sort of rural versus urban lifestyle, uh, in some cases, uh, education level or socioeconomic level, all kinds of other things. So, um, so yeah, there's a whole lot of diversity surrounding all of our students. Okay, uh, what's another topic within Chapter 10 that is interesting or important to you guys? I, I like your inclusion of uh, the concept of microaggression. That, that's something that, again, if, if you're not a person who's experienced any of these, it, it, it could be a little bit challenging for a lot of my students to, to understand. So the opportunity to have a discussion around this and to give a definition of it as simply an everyday action or comment and really highlighting the possibility that no, no ill will is intended, right? And that these, that they can result from a, a benign or what was intended to be a benign comment, but can still have a feeling or can still have the impact of making someone feel less than or other uh, is, I, I think that's, that's incredibly important for uh, helping people understand how their behaviors may impact others around them. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. You know, somebody, somebody who's, who studies the impact of uh, things like discrimination and uh, racism, racial, racial poverty. stress. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. It, I think students, when you when you talk about discrimination and when you talk about racism and you talk about some of these bigger sort of concepts in society, it's like it has to be a blatant, obvious act. And right. introducing them to this notion of microaggressions, I think, makes them pause and think, "Wow, you know, the cumulative effect." cumulative effect of all of these little sort of acts against somebody can sort of um, combine or, or uh, end up with the same effect of traumatizing somebody or having the ill effects on, you know, person's self-esteem or whatever outcomes you're looking at. But I think it really makes them pause and sort of understand that all these little acts like you said david all these little things can cumulate you know are cumulative and can have an additive effect so there may be students in our classes who are wondering that as they read about microaggressions might be thinking well okay how do i how do i not do that how do i avoid that and i think it's important for students to realize that that perhaps the most obvious or immediate solution is just to bite your tongue like just don't say certain things or don't say as much um, but that's not really getting at the underlying, 
problem, in my opinion. Uh, it, it would be better, um, rather than just biting their tongue and not saying what crosses their mind, it would be better if they could explore those the underlying beliefs that they have, the beliefs that lead to microaggressive comments or actions, and and really kind of reevaluate them and think like, is this the kind of belief that I want to hold? Is this the kind of person I want to be? Um, talk about it with friends, maybe talk about it with family, talk about it with people you trust and kind of, kind of, um, like I said, reevaluate and, and, and sort of make a decision for yourself about how you want to, how you want to treat other people. So, um, it's, it's, it's not just a matter of, of, you know, being careful around, around various people not to say this or not to say that. Um, it's more like, going a little deeper than that and trying to re really think about how you think and what you believe. The the one personal anecdote that I thought about with this chapter was uh, a friend of mine went to a wedding just outside of Cleveland, Ohio. And after the wedding was over, we went back to our hotel and went to the to the bar there. And my friend is African-American and his head is shaved. And uh, we went there and it wasn't quite like the record player screeched to a halt, but it was pretty close. And as we walked in, the rest of the, uh, we were not like anyone else in the bar. <laughs> and he looks to me and I look to him like, okay, this, this should be interesting. So we sat down and we were completely minding our own business. And two ladies came up. And in most situations, if you're two young single guys at a bar and two ladies come up, it's an interesting story for other reasons. But this was not going to be the case tonight as uh, one of the women just immediately were fascinated with the fact that my friend's head was shaved. So without permission, started feeling the top of his head like this is amazing. And I'm thinking you've never seen a person with no hair before. And I got the question, where are you from? And I answered with, I'm from Passaic, New Jersey. And then I got the, the very predictable follow-up question. No, 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 no. Where are you really from? Right? As if, as if I'm not really from, you know, or, you know, and, and I think the importance there is, as you were mentioning, Andy, the underlying assumptions that lead to that question, which is, you're not from here. So where are you from? Which is uh, very different coming from the, the women in the bar that night than, say, a person who's very interested in, say, East Asian studies, and they're curious if they can perhaps communicate with me because maybe they're fluent in Cantonese, and they want to know, hey, can I try out my Cantonese with you? That's a very different question than, hey, you're not from here, so I want to know exactly where you're from. And so, so the context makes it different, and there's there's no easy applicable rule for what is necessarily a microaggression or what isn't necessarily a microaggression. That that's a great story. Let's take a quick break here, and when we come back, we'll continue our discussion of Chapter Ten: Diversity in Psychology, Multiculturalism, Gender, and Sexuality. The My Psychology Podcast is brought to you by Launchpad from Macmillan Learning. When I wrote My Psychology, I wanted students to maximize their connection to the science of psychology, and Launchpad does just that. It's the one place where you can find the full ebook of My Psychology, features like My Take videos, chapter apps, and show me more links, and Macmillan's full library of resources, including videos, flashcards, concept practice activities, and more. Best of all, Launchpad includes the Learning Curve Adaptive Quizzing System, designed based on cognitive research to improve your learning and help you retain information over time. In addition, the Learning Curve algorithm chooses questions based on your performance, delivering a quiz that is unique to you. If you aren't using Launchpad already, you can sign up for a free trial right now. 
That's right. You can get 21 days of free access right now by visiting launchpadworks.com and searching for my psychology. That's launchpadworks.com. Sign up now for your 21 days of free access and start studying with the Learning Curve Adaptive Quizzing System. Welcome back. We are here discussing Chapter 10, Diversity in Psychology, Multiculturalism, Gender, and Sexuality, from the My Psychology textbook. I'm Andy Pomerantz, professor of psychology at SIUE, Southern Illinois University, Edwardsville, and author of the My Psychology textbook. And joining me today are Dr. Deborah Roberts, professor and chair of the Department of Psychology at Howard University in Washington, D.C., along with Dr. David Tom, Associate Professor of Psychology at Columbus State Community College and Senior Lecturer in the Department of Psychology at The Ohio State University in Columbus, Ohio. So another concept in Chapter 10 that I was hoping we could talk about is the concept of dynamic sizing. That was one I wanted to talk about too, yeah. so great. Oh, good, good, good. <laughs> uh -huh. So, so just, to, just to refresh the student's memory, we, we define dynamic sizing as the ability to simultaneously know the norm for a group and recognize that the norm might not apply to every member of that group. So it's 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 sort of doing two mental things at once, like knowing what what might be uh, you know sort of uh, normal or expected or more typical for a particular group, but stopping short of 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 presuming that the one person you're talking to or you're interacting with from that group. Um, lands right on that norm or is or is just you know just a, an absolutely sort of typical prototypical kind of uh, kind of example there is a huge amount of variation within any cultural group within any any diverse group it's good to know what is what is uh, again what is sort of common or normal or typical within a group but that next step of presuming that the one person you're about to meet is, is, a, is a perfectly average, typical, normal representative of that group can just be way off. You gotta, you gotta be open to the possibility that they might differ from that, from that norm. So near the, the discussion of dynamic sizing, there's a text box, uh, the, the it's like box that compares um, a WNBA player's height to, to this concept of, of, um, of uh, dynamic sizing. And the idea here is that is that many WNBA players, in other words, female basketball players, are just abnormally tall. You might you might you might know what is sort of average height for uh, for an adult woman. But as soon as you meet a WNBA player um, uh, who is, you know, six foot five, six foot six, uh, taller than that, you, you immediately realize, wow, there's a lot of variability here. There are some women whose height is nowhere near that normal range. It's, it's um, quite a bit above. There might be others who are quite a bit below, et cetera, et cetera. Um, anyway, the, the, the point being, um, it's an important skill, I think. Not, it's, it's not just an important concept to learn for, for an intro psych class for students. I think it's an important skill as you move through life to, to simultaneously be able to know what a group is all about, but also realize that a person from that group isn't necessarily typical. Absolutely. You're absolutely right that there's so much variation within cultural groups as well that it doesn't necessarily mean that every single person you talk to who is from a collectivistic culture is going to necessarily be more interdependent than you are in their self-control. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, it's, it's, it's a version of stereotyping. Mm -hmm. Even if it's done with the best of intentions, even if it's done by someone who is, who's, 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 who is trying to be culturally sensitive or culturally right. competent— Mm -hmm. If what they're doing is learning about a whole group, 
and then in a in a sort of a blanket way applying what they've learned to every particular individual in that group it's kind of stereotyping and that's the last thing that they want to do and i hope that they can i hope this concept of dynamic sizing can kind of remind them like it's okay to know that it's okay to know what a culture is all about it's it's important to know what a culture is all about but don't take that next step where you then assume that everybody is uh sort of uh uniformly uh everybody within that group is uniformly like that not assuming or not necessarily assuming that everybody sort of subscribes to certain things so if you for example somebody may um find out that i am from trinidad and all of a sudden start saying things or or speaking certain phrases or talking about carnival and you know not go, knowing that i grew up in canada now i do retain a lot of things from the caribbean but there are certain things that i definitely would not be able to relate to so you go right into this thing and, and most people mean it as a sort of form of communication you know friendly so i don't really take offense to it but it's really interesting that people sort of assume that you <laughs> are um going to subscribe to something just because you are from a certain cultural group or you self-define as being from a certain cultural group which is you know really interesting i have you know indian friends who don't speak hindi <laughs> like it's like, but you you have to you you can't just assume that all of a sudden that person falls right into it so i think that 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 term or that notion of dynamic sizing is really really important yeah and i think you captured it so well when you said it's a balancing act yeah 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 i think it is a balancing act so what's another topic that you wanted to bring up well i really like that you included cultural intelligence or you know cultural competence because all of the various concepts that we're talking about um you really can sort of fall under an umbrella of cultural competence or really trying to understand how to interact effectively in a multicultural society. I know we haven't talked about multiculturalism, but we've sort of touched on it. You know, it certainly is a level of intelligence or a level of competence in terms of how to sort of carry yourself within a diverse community or you know we find ourselves interacting with people who are not who don't look like us or you know we talked about culture being a um a set of of common behaviors but the ability to understand that those common behaviors may be different from somebody else's set of common behaviors, but you can still have an appreciation for that and still learn how to interact effectively with people from different groups, even though they have a different set of shared beliefs is so important. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought it was really, really great that you included cis and transgender uh, discussion about that. Um, inevitably, in, in the classroom, that leads to a discussion about bathrooms and, and uh, allowing people to choose bathrooms where they feel safe. And it's a, it's a great opportunity to bring out the facts about whether or not more assaults, for example, because that's, that's been one of the things that a lot of people have – I mean, that's, that's been a talking point for, for a lot of people who are advocating against – uh, using the bathrooms that you feel most comfortable with. So um, I think just giving it a name, giving it a section and an opportunity to have formal discussion about it is incredibly important. Yeah, and I also think it's really important. My note on, on this part of the chapter mm -hmm. was 
just even defining or, or distinguishing between gender and sex. And I think yep. it, you know, you, you kind of mm-hmm. start off with that and to have any sort of uh, coherent discussion about, you know, this topic, I think it's important that we make sure our students understand the difference and just not throw these terms out where you say right. that gender is about the culture's social, psychological and behavioral expectations of maleness or femaleness, whereas mm-hmm. sex is, is about biological. The bio, yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, I, I think that distinction is important. Yeah, I think it's important too um, to, to make distinctions between sex, gender, gender identity. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, yep. Uh, and, and to cover terms like cisgender and transgender. Yeah, I, I hope I hope it does um, stimulate some good conversations in in some intro psych classes. Yep. So another topic that I that I think is important from um, from this chapter from from chapter ten uh, diversity in psychology is the concept of acculturation strategies, and uh, just the, the this notion um, first of all about acculturation, which is defined as managing a life that involves the coexistence of more than one culture. So like, what are you going to do if you find yourself in a situation where you've got sort of two cultures that that you need to make some decisions about that you that you have experienced and in many cases it's it's um what i will sort of just conveniently call the old culture and the new culture and it's not always that's not always an accurate description but just for the sake of this conversation i'll say we can imagine someone moving uh or or uh, finding themselves in a in a different cultural environment and they've got the culture they came from and they've got the culture that they find themselves in now and so, so what do you do in a situation like that? And experts in this field, uh, as the textbook explains, have basically said that, well, you can basically make a four, you can see four ways that people can deal with that, with those questions, like four quadrants in a, in a circle, which is what the figure right here in the, in this part of the textbook shows. If you're accepting of both the old culture and the new culture, like you keep the old and you adopt the new, uh, we call that integration. Uh, if you reject them both, if you if you say I don't want to have anything to do with my old culture or my new culture, uh, we call that marginalization. If you adopt the new and kind of drop the old, we call that assimilation. If you uh, reject the new and keep the old, we call that separation. And of course, I'm describing them like they're like they're uh, like there's a, a a solid wall between all these things. There isn't. There's you know there's middle ground between any of these four strategies but the 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 idea here is that um just knowing someone's cultural background really doesn't give you a full appreciation of their culture so to speak in other words if we imagine a person moving to uh i don't know let's say that you know the middle of the united states somewhere from um you know from a from a foreign country Depending on which of those four acculturation strategies they choose or they, 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 they lean toward, they can live very, very different lives. I mean, someone who assimilates is going to live in a pretty different world than someone who separates or marginalizes themselves or integrates. So, um, and I, I guess I'm saying this not just as, a, not just as a, an ordinary citizen, but also as a clinical psychologist, that if, you know, if you're going to go into the field of psychology and actually work with people, and you want to be culturally intelligent, culturally competent, you got to know something about the, the way a person has acculturated. To what extent have they held on to the old culture? To what extent have they adopted the new culture? It's, it's important in, in understanding what a person's all about. Yeah, I, I think that's really important because um, another 
term that you mention in the book is a culture of stress. And if having an understanding of how somebody is managing the old and new cultures really give you some insight or can give you some insight into um, how that is disrupting their lives in any in any way, you know, if at all, <laughs> depending on whether they are assimilated or separated or, you know, and all of the, the four different components of sort of acculturation lend themselves to different levels of stress. <laughs> and right. so I think, you right. know, you really have different to understand levels of stress, different kinds stress. of stress, stress that comes from the new culture, stress that comes from the old culture. Yeah, I mean, there's been coming all, from all different directions. Yeah. And I'm sure you'll appreciate this, Andy, that uh, the acculturation status um, is also going to predict how likely people are going to remain in therapy, right? So if you have a client who is more assimilated, they generally tend to stay in therapy and complete at higher rates than individuals who may be marginalized or separated, right? And so there are a lot of great practical uh, uses of this uh, four-quadrant system of defining acculturative strategies as well. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. So thanks to my guests for this great conversation on uh, Chapter 10, Diversity in Psychology, Multiculturalism, Gender, and Sexuality. We've had Dr. Deborah Roberts, who is a professor and chair of the Department of Psychology at Howard University in Washington, D.C., and uh, Dr. David Tom, an associate professor of psychology at Columbus State Community College and a senior lecturer in the Department of Psychology at The Ohio State University in Columbus, Ohio. And thanks to all of you for listening. We hope this podcast helps you learn and appreciate the material in this chapter. Of course, you should check with your own instructor to see what's most important in your own class. And for more resources for studying this chapter, check out Launchpad at launchpadworks.com. Talk to you again soon.